episode 148 of Friends and Film. We hear the latest news interview the biggest new release, which this week is Bohemian Rhapsody. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, and this week I'm joined by Josh Straley. Hello, everybody, and welcome to November. Yeah. The, like, the, the lull of movie season is behind us, and now it's just Oscars and holiday blockbusters from here on out. Yeah, a lot of goodies. Exactly. Um, yeah, and if you're interested in what we're looking for, take a look back to our fall preview. Yeah. We break down all of the great movies that are coming out One this fall. One of the greatest ones comes out in like two weeks, Creed 2. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yes. Tickets are on sale now. Yes, correct? that is correct. At least I saw Michael B. Jordan ordering tickets in a little <laughs> mini video. Yes. And I'm assuming that's what's up. Yes, they are now available. So the Creed 2 hype is here. It's fantastic. Hopefully. Yes, I think so. Um, okay. Do I need to tell us where you can find everything? Is That'd that... be great. Okay, awesome. Sorry, it's not so smooth. Um, but if you're looking for that episode, you can find it on our Twitter page mm-hmm. at Friends in Film, where you can stay up to date on all the latest news and things that we're talking about. But for the show itself... You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and now Spotify. But on Apple Podcasts, please rate us, review us, which will ultimately help rank us and help us find more friends of the show. Yeah, that's always what we're looking for. Um, and this week, as while we were looking for Bohemian Rhapsody, looking forward to it, we also checked out some other films this week. Mm-hmm. Josh, what is something you watched this well, week? Well, I've only got one movie this week down because okay. I spent the rest of it binging the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Oh, how was it? Surprisingly good. Okay, uh, or not surprisingly, it was good. Um, but I took a walk back to Blade, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's it was ahead of its time in so many ways. Um, just one being about a single thing and not stretching too far in any other directions. But then Wesley Snipes is just perfect for it. Uh, cold and. I don't know. It's like, it just, it has that matrix like feel to mm-hmm. all of the action and then just kind of like rocks out, but it's also super weird. I don't remember like yeah, all like the, the blood w- rave. And- exactly. <laughs> I was like, that opened the movie and it was like, this happened in like early two thousands. Mm-hmm. I feel like we wouldn't be able to get away with that today or at least like in the way that they pull it off there. Yeah. It was so, it's so strange, but it kicks so much butt. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I I really really need to bring it back. Yeah, it's been on some way. It's been on my like rewatch list for a while. Mm-hmm. Cause I bought like the three pack Blu-ray off like Amazon for like eight dollars or something. And I was like, oh, that's a super great deal. It's a stellar deal. And maybe it wasn't eight dollars. It was probably a little more than that. But either way, I was like, oh, and I need to rewatch these anyways. I actually haven't seen the third one, so it's like, well, I need to see that one to begin with. So might as well buy it. And I haven't touched it. So one one day, one yeah. of these days. But how about you? It was uh, it was a busy week. Okay, busy week for me. Uh, I saw six oh, releases that came out this year. Uh, most of them, five of them in theaters. One was a streaming movie, uh, which isn't wasn't originally made for streaming, but it's now all available on streaming. Mm-hmm. That being Disobedience with Rachel Wise, Rachel McAdams oh, yeah. is on Amazon Prime. The other five, um, well, one of them is Human Rhapsody, which we'll talk to. Oh. We'll talk about the other four are Old Man and the Gun. The Sister Brothers, Beautiful Boy, and Suspiria. Oh, sheesh. So uh, there's a lot out there. Okay. What, what should I talk about? I'm not um, really sure. Can you talk about Suspiria? Because I've heard mixed things about this. Um, a few, one writer who I won't name, um, like just lambasted it. And everyone else that I've seen so far has been like, oh, no, it was actually pretty good. This is a decent remake. 
yeah, it's uh, it's I saw it like literally last night as okay. of this recording, so I'm still processing it mm-hmm. because there's a lot to process. Mind bending and it's, kind of effed up, or uh, yeah, a little bit. Okay, uh, I. By the time this episode goes up, there should be an explainer by me on screenrand.com because mm-hmm. I was like, I need to write about this movie and they need me to. So I'll do it. And uh, yeah, but I mean, overall execution wise, I thought it was really well done. Uh, you know, Guadagnino continues to show that like he's a very talented director. Obviously, the movie looks great. Dakota Johnson gives a good performance. Tilda Swinton mm-hmm. has multiple roles, each of them fascinating. Um, she has twins then. No. Oh, okay. Oh. And then the ending is just ridiculous, off the walls, bonkers, gory, and just a mixture of so many different things that uh, that's where I think it'll come down to whether or not it loses you or not. Mm-hmm. For me, I was just so fascinated of what was going on that I think it sucked me in. And the more I think about it, I think the more I like it. Yeah. So it kind of, like to me, writing up like the explainer and stuff and writing up my thoughts about it it was like talking about nocturnal animals two years ago. I was like, well, okay. Like the more I talk about it and discuss like what was actually going on mm-hmm. and what, the, what this meant, the more I like it. But then I could also see it being like a mother for last year for some people where it's just like, Nope, not for me. This movie is just like going to places that like, you know, I'm not responding to. Yeah. So, uh, I think if you are interested in it, it's only, I can't say like universal recommend sure. it would like depend on the person. I think you would probably, enjoy it all right i'm holding my hands up here and like kind of like doing a balancing bar where is it where would you put it against hereditary in terms of just the um weirdness factor off the rails aspects near the end uh well the weirdness of it oh man that uh, is it come is it coming out of nowhere or is it the seeds all planted the, the seed the seeds are planted for where the finale goes got it but what happens in it uh, is where the surprises come in. Mm. So I think it is probably, I think for you, it'll probably be below hereditary. Okay. For me, it could, it may be above, but I'm still not really sure. Sure. Um, but it, it was fascinating. So awesome. if you, if you are interested in the trailers and you want like a supernatural thriller mystery sort That's of thing, what I want, uh, I, I can recommend it for you or anybody out there who meets that description. All right. I'm going to have to get out to the theater then. So, I mean, it is only currently in limited release, which I was surprised that, one of our theaters here actually had <laughs> like, it, but I was like, oh, I'm not doing anything at 10 o'clock on Friday night, so sure, I'll go see it. Oh, fantastic. So, uh, but we are here to talk about Bohemian Rhapsody. We are. So, let, let's get into that. That's the pretense of our conversation <laughs> today. Um, and, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off here. I wrote yeah. up a review for the site, friendsfilm.wordpress.com, um, and really the big takeaway uh, is Rami Malek for me. I thought he is as a performer exceptional he, he will rock you yes okay yes he will rock <laughs> you uh, he is somebody to love uh his performance does not bite the dust uh <laughs> whatever other uh puns you queen puns you can throw in there mm-hmm. he would meet them um because i think right now for me he is like the front runner for an oscar Ooh. Uh, for you know best leading male performance because i just thought he was so good i thought he looked sounded moved exactly like freddie mercury and even though I think the story maybe can fall flat at some points of maybe not developing the other band members enough or developing his relationships enough. Um, I think it explores his personal life to the lengths that I was kind of expecting for this movie to go. And Mm -hmm. that like Malik's performance really carries a lot of those emotional beats. And then by the end of it, and even throughout it, all of the concert scenes are just like 
mind-blowing good, especially the Live Aid concert that wraps oh, the whole thing up. Yep. Um, I said it in the review, but if you have a, an IMAX theater available to you to go see this theater, absolutely recommend it just for the Live Aid concert alone because it is just magnificent. As soon as the movie started, I hated myself because I was <laughs> watching it in regular. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would... I would if I saw it in 2D, or I mean, I, I've seen it in IMAX, I would lo- I would still go back to see it again in IMAX because it is such a, it just wraps you into the concert and then the music is blaring and everything just works so well. And I think, um, you know, there was some controversy around this movie because Brian Singer is the director of it, but then he famously like wasn't showing up for some of the days and he got fired and then Dexter Fletcher came in um, and he, then when he wasn't there, uh, Brian Singer, like other people were filling in on the spot. So like, you don't really know at each individual portion who's directing what scene but it all felt really cohesive it all felt excellently well done and i really just can't give enough praise to this movie other than like i think maybe it could have gone a little deeper into the larger band dynamic and like some of freddie's like personal relationships but other than that this movie is great i'm gonna give it four ticket stubs out of five. Oh, awesome yeah and i think i will probably just agree with you beat for beat there um I, we get the 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 live aid concert at Lent Wembley like I've never wanted to be there so bad it's just it is like you said it's absorbing and the way it I mean in a way just like a star is born takes you on to stage with Mm -hmm. these people and just like I really wish I was able to see Queen live yeah and all we have now are like you know grainy not like cell phone video but grainy (laughs) you know film of what they did and who like how they were and this was this was the closest i've felt to like i don't know emotion for, or getting emotion from the from like you know and a, a taped performance right a film the, performance the, the live aid concert is surprisingly very emotional mm-hmm. like uh, i was shocked especially yeah especially at the end because it culminates in um in the in the entire way it's like it bohemian rhapsody for better or for worse just sort of plants uses all these planks to get us to that performance at live aid mm-hmm. and um it is a, it is it is a biopic about queen but it is a biopic about freddie mercury but it doesn't really take us or show us anything that we probably didn't know already mm-hmm. and that's the de- that's the ultimate disappointment for me um which is not going to say a whole lot because they did you know give surprisingly enough credit to his life and who he was and not the things he dealt with mm-hmm. um sexuality to drugs and everything else um so all all there for that uh but yeah uh stellar and like everything around it um the teeth were a little bit much i think okay. <laughs> just as like a, a jokey side note but um no but watching them kind of rise up and kind of deal with it it was all things i'm like okay yeah this is kind of fun because queen's music is like nothing i expected mm-hmm. or let me or it's, it's it's so weird to think of like putting like we've always existed in a world where queen ha- has had that music right or at least i have yeah um so them trying to get that made um you know and then running up against like the cliched or like the what in my head the stereotypical music executive was like the one that was made up for the movie <laughs> yeah mike myers yeah is that, yeah okay his so his performance is yeah okay fake but yeah like that that idea right there is fun and seeing that kind of blown across it basically makes up the kind of center part of the film mm-hmm. um after they've become queen and their origin story is complete uh so like that was like a really interesting and fun and entertaining aspect of it um 
And so, yeah, and then you talked about Freddie Mercury, or Freddie Mercury, um, Rami Malek. He is Freddie Mercury. He, is, he really is. His energy in this is uh, phenomenal. And because I've not seen him do this before. No. And I don't know if I'll go so far as to say he's the front runner, but he's definitely, he definitely belongs on the list. Yeah, I mean, at least for me, like, there's, there's obviously plenty of movies you and me have not seen yet. Yeah, of like, course. But... I think right now, if you had to say, you had to give an Oscar to somebody of like Rami Malek. Of everything I've seen so far? Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I guess I, I just I do agree with you there. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but yeah, it just, it, it the, the jump from Mr. Robot to this, you cannot put those two together in any kind of way. Um, and the, some of the small little notes about his um, upbringing and things like that, I, I actually didn't know that he was Pakistani no, or anything like either. that. I was like, Oh, that's not his real name, or, or I figured Mercury was made up. But anyway, point being, four out of five ticket stubs, um, and now we can dive into the minutia, even though we already were. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, let's dive into spo- to spoilers. I guess I mean uh, one of the things I want to touch on is the, I guess the idea of these large grand biopics in general, because mm-hmm. I think one of the other problems that this movie runs into is that you're trying to tell a 15 year story in two hours and 12 minutes or something. I was actually surprised how short this was, which. Um, it it does move by really quickly. It doesn't feel like, you know, 210. It doesn't feel close to two and a half or anything. Mm-hmm. But I think that part of the problem here is that there is so there are so many, you know, iconic songs that Queen creates. There are so many you know, relationships that you need to dive into that some of them, they don't get that depth that you really need to then have, an, have a payoff by the end. We were like, oh, his relationship with uh, – the the manager turned partner um, that's like basically the the antagonist of the movie, like he just like they kiss one time and then the next thing we know they're like not together but then they're a couple like ten minutes later and like mm-hmm. they've been that way for years yeah, and like Jim oh Hutton. like okay I so like that doesn't get enough credit like and then like there's like a couple montages of them performing or creating songs and there's just so much that these movies have to deal with in order to tell the entire life story, which I would just find it tough to pull off where it's like, I could see this being like an HBO miniseries and being eight hours, like eight, you know, one hour episodes and being phenomenal Mm -hmm. and being way better than this currently is just because it can have that time to dive really into who Freddie Mercury is, how these relationships changed, the struggles that he went through. And then the creation of all the music, the touring, the lifestyle, like all that stuff can get really developed instead yeah. of like, oh, we just created Wheel Rocky. Oh, we just created this other song. Oh, I need to go break up with this person. I mm-hmm. need to go do this. The band's breaking up. It's like there's so much that moves so so quickly that sometimes it's like you almost want them to slow it all down. Yes. Um, remember when we talked about Han Solo earlier in the year and I said it was, it was like the w- Wikipedia page for him uh-huh. and his, you know, his canonical right. stuff. That's what this sort of is like for queen and freddie mercury yeah. packed together and i a billion percent agree with you hbo's vinyl series sh- short-lived rest in yeah. peace should have been a anthology series where they just picked up a band and a character and ran with it and this would have been one of the perfect ones for it yeah um because yeah because it's like oh there's the there's the baseline to uh another one bites the dust yeah. or like here's bohemian rhapsody which is which is my favorite you know kind of thing to see right. pulled out there well that's the one that they really give the most time to which exactly. i don't know if that's because the movie was called that or yes. if it's their <laughs> arguably their biggest song but uh um, yeah that, that was a great scene uh, what's the other song in there 
uh we will rock you yeah. yeah that's another one that like it's like oh it's cool to see these like wings like here's how they did it folks right. the only one that i was surprised they didn't do they didn't do somebody to love or pressure or oh, at least true. how they pull up like because that baseline is so iconic yeah. to uh or at least villain but to vanilla ice anyway <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so like yeah I, I, one yeah exactly so it's sort of like it sort of feels like they're like oh we know you Ooh, th- it knows what you want to see right. in a queen film and it gives it to you. It doesn't challenge you anywhere. Um, and then the parts where about Freddie Mercury's life is bisexuality and things um, of that nature. They're, they're sort of there to be the kernels of emotion so that mm-hmm. the book, the, the live aid concert, which bookends the film um, packs as, as much of a punch as possible. Yeah. And it packs, you know, it's a knockout blow. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. I think, the, the thing that surprised me the most is because, like, you know, obviously wasn't around when, uh, you know, Queen was really still active. Like, mm-hmm. Mer- Mercury, Mercury died in 90... 91? 91. Okay, so I was not alive during any of Queen's stuff. Uh, for some reason, I thought they said he died in 94. I was like, well, maybe I was around for a couple of months or something. But, um, like, the only relationship that really gets a lot of time is the one between him and Mary Austin, played yeah. by Lucy Boynton, who was great in the movie... If you haven't seen Sing Street, go see Sing Street because she's great in that movie too. Um, and I was kind of surprised to see that like the, uh, you know, just the heterosexual relationship was the one that got the most development. And then like the the homosexual one between him and the manager guy, like that was just like kind of, it just kind of happens. And then you don't see any like real development of that relationship until like you kind of figure out that that guy's really not looking out for Freddie's best interest and more mm-hmm. like personal gain and kind of what he can get from it and just kind of riding the high of it all. And it ultimately leads to like, by the time Freddie likes, like screw you get out of here. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah, like why were you with this guy to begin with? Because mm-hmm. there, again, there's not that development that really like shows why they were even, you know, together in the first place. Um, like there's 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 nothing of that. Yeah, and and I know that, that I'm assuming that's how it actually played out in real life was that she came back and like or the, how they show off and like she tells him about the live aid cons and everything mm-hmm. like that. But it was almost like she's got like the hero arc for him. Yeah, it's like is that how it went down? I mean, I don't I don't know, but um, that's how they kind of play it. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I mean, which is it's not like terrible or anything. It's just right. like uh it definitely seems it's definitely playing to a wider audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not a Freddie Mercury. Uh, historian or right. historian or anything <laughs> like that uh, before what I've read up on that doesn't seem to have been like the exact case yeah so, but either way um, I mean you have to make changes for the movie obviously of course because um, yeah because <laughs> otherwise it's, I mean not that it'd be boring but like there's the, there are certain aspects of storytelling that you have to include to make it a proper yeah fu- a properly uh, fulfilling one of course so uh, can I tell you the worst moment of the movie though uh, is it the, is it involved Mike Myers? It or does. It, yeah. Is it where he's like just telling him how they don't want to, they're not going to dig the song? No. Okay. Even, even though I didn't like that moment either because it was just like, because that happened to the Beatles, right? Where like their uh, like record label dropped them or something like, you guys will never be on the radio. Mm-hmm. Like that, I believe that was the Beatles. If I'm or, correct. Yeah. I don't know if it's, yeah. I, don't, I didn't think it was Queen. The legend, the legend is that someone told them, oh, your sound is not innovative enough or something like yeah. that, or no one's going to like you. Or, yeah. yeah. And then Mike, but Mike's, he, that scene, he just delivers it right to camera. And I was like, okay, this is just, yeah. we get it, man. Well, like in like, for, at least in my theater, like it was like a comedic moment. Like people laughed because mm-hmm. it was like, ah, you're so dumb. Exactly. And so like, I, 
that part was okay to me. Okay. The cut to him during the Live Aid concert, I was just like, this is like, no, you ruined, like, not, you didn't ruin the concert, but like, that was an unnecessary, like, cut in what was such a great moment to go back to this loser guy who, like, turned him down years ago. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I don't, I don't want to see that guy. Right. And like, it was just, it just felt unnecessary to me. Like, I wish I could get a hold of this cut, cut off that scene, and just let the movie play out and be like, the ending would be even better. Yeah. It, it, he's, the, he's the villain. Yeah. As much as there is one, other than, um, we'll just say Jim. Was Peter or whatever. Yeah. Or whatever. I don't remember. I just I just knew it was Mike Myers, and that's what I kept calling him the entire time. Uh, and I really should have had a cast list pulled up here, but I don't. Yeah, and it's sort of like the ha-ha, like you said. Like, it's the ha-ha, you're so stupid. All right, they have total victory now. Right. Congrats to, the, congrats to Queen and Eddie and um, everyone else. Yeah. So... Um, I mean, is there anything else you really want to get into here? Uh, there's, I mean, there's not other than, I think I'm going to, you know, take a look at wearing some scarves probably in the future. <laughs> okay. Uh, the, those were fantastic. I mean, yeah. Oh, it's just, I mean, instead of maybe going out on like the, oh, that was the worst scene in the movie, like best scene in the movie. Oh. <sighs> I, it's really hard to top the live aid, the live aid concert. I think the only thing that comes close is the conversation between Mary and, and Freddie, where she's just like, like you're gay, like you're like, and like yeah, right like before the basically it forces him to like come out to her mm-hmm. and like finally admit to himself who he really is. Um, just because Boyan and Malik, I thought, just delivered the heck out of that scene. So that was probably the you know number two behind Live Aid for me. Would you put Boyan up for a supporting actress role or nom? Probably. I mean. At, 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 at this first. point, she could maybe be like my fifth choice potentially, but okay. I don't think she'll get it. And I don't think she really has. That's her like one standout moment, which I know for like, the, the Oscars, it's more of like, oh, that's the Oscar moment. That's mm-hmm. that's what's going to get them like in the right. conversation. The clip you're going to mail around. Right. But like, I, I feel like she wouldn't, she would have needed a larger role other than just like, cause she's very just like surface, you know, level. Right. Oh, I'm the girl that Freddie's in love with. Just to push his person to, forward. Just to push, yeah. And so it's like, I feel like she would have needed more development and maybe like more time on her own potentially to like establish her as like her own character instead of a support for Freddie. Yeah. You know, okay. You know what? If I had to, since we're going to go ahead and say Live Aid's the best, which is indisputable, I will say that I thoroughly enjoyed his am or no his initiative taking and his ambition, um, going after Smile. And like, just tell, like, basically, like, basically saying, like, I'm going to be your new singer, right. going, grabbing those guys in the parking lot and be, doing like a Star is Born-esque, like, audition out <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> by far the second, or by far, yeah, either the, it's definitely the, either, oh man, I'm not sure. Definitely the second best um, parking lot audition we've gotten on film <laughs> of this the year. year. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think, I think that's fair to say. So, uh, yeah, no, I think that was just because it's sort of like his, um, enthusiasm and drive got him out there and he's like, and the, the idea that like, it was a band that he like had kept going to, to right. the guy playing. I'm like, okay, I didn't know that. Either. Which apparently that's not how it actually, it was not how it actually no. is. You didn't so go I check guess him out all the time. I, well, so apparently how it happened was he roomed with, um, the smile band. Mm-hmm. And then Freddie was actually in a band before he joined smile soon to be known as queen. Right. And so they would like kind of tour together. And so that way when like the bassist slash lead singer for smile left, 
they were like, hey, we know Freddie. Freddie, you're great. Freddie, you're going to join our band. Aww. And like it kind of came together that way. But okay. again, not very like cinematically like, no. you know, heroic rise sort of a thing that yeah. they wanted to do for Freddie here. So All I right. get why they changed it. And mm-hmm. But yeah. it, it was, like there is like, you know, not to be biased, potentially, but there's a great explainer on ScreenRant.com of – all the different okay. changes to uh, go check out if you saw Beef Me Rhapsody. We'll tweet it onto the um, sure the the account. Yeah, so we'll tweet it onto everyone. the Twitter sphere. Yes, we'll put we'll cycle it through. Yes. So, uh, is there anything else you want to touch on here with Beef Me Rhapsody? That I'm the hair in the opening part too. Ma, awesome. Um, yeah, I mean the buzzed hair was obviously way more natural looking. Yeah. But. <laughs> uh, well, especially because yeah, you, we know what Rami Allen looks like. Right. Uh, but yeah. That, that's all I've got. I've run right. through. Yeah, I mean, it's it's great. It's got great music. It's got a great performance. All of the creation scenes of the iconic songs, the way that they, like, meld the first kind of play slash practice slash into, mm-hmm. like, them actually doing it, uh, all that stuff was so well done. Oh, yeah, and then jumping off of that, too, you would it's hard to know that it's not Remy Malik and everyone else doing these songs. It's actually Queen laid into it apparently there's rumors that malik was doing some singing really which if that's the case like again even like hats off to him because he sounds exactly like freddie mercury i i bought it 100 percent either way and i think if if he did i don't think he's like obviously redoing the entire song sure i think it's just like those there's those moments of like vocal like freedom where he like backs off or like mm-hmm. goes into it a little bit more like i think those are probably the moments where if Malik was actually singing in the movie, those would probably be them. Okay. So yeah. I, again, that's just like, I've heard some people say that he did do some of it. I don't, I haven't found a way to confirm that. I don't know how you would confirm it unless he says yes or no, but right. uh, yeah, another hats off to him. Depending on what they did, there's maybe a sound design award here. Yeah, possible. So that is all we have for our review of Bohemian Rhapsody. We both give it four ticket stubs out of five. Highly recommend. So go check it out if you haven't already. We'll be right back in a bit with the news. back with the news and as always going to start with our three main topics which this week we're talking about a beloved pixar property toy story and the fourth movie that comes out next year and how it's apparently going to destroy us all emotionally uh because tom hanks told the bbc how emotionally devastating the ending of toy story 4 is when he said quote when i realized what they were going for i realized oh this is a moment in history so uh this was kind of a shock to read because toy story 3 for me at least, has one of the most emotionally gut-wrenching endings ever. Mm-hmm. Um, it is an end of an era. It is, especially for someone like me growing up with Toy Story movies, right. seeing Toy Story 3 at the age where I am basically Andy's age mm-hmm. and be like, "This, I am Andy. I have <laughs> toys. Like This is so sad. Like I'm leaving my past behind. I have to become an adult. And then now Tom Hanks is hyping up Toy Story 4 of like, oh, you thought that was bad. Well, just wait, because I couldn't even look at the people in the booth because it was so emotional to record it. I was like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Josh, what are they doing here? I, I don't I, I honestly I, I spent the entire week or the weekend, whatever, thinking about this because like what could they do that would like just wreck us? Mm-hmm. 
and unless unless you literally have like Buzz and Woody torn limb from limb while <laughs> holding hands this time, I mean, or something like that, or like you know, seeing a child crying and being like, "All right, I'll put my body on the wire so this kid will be happy," or something like that. I I do not know, but it just makes me want to see Toy Story. It, it makes me so ready for Toy Story Four. And also, like, do I really want to go see it? Right. Because <laughs> I don't, I mean, what, uh, other than them maybe, like, realizing Andy has kids or something like that, and they've been like, we got to go be there for Andy's kids. Do a time jump? I don't know. Oof. What do you, uh, I am at a loss now. Now I'm like, Toy Story 4 was, used to be like, oh, uh, uh, they're doing it because Pixar's. They need them, they want another billion dollars. Well, exactly. And now I'm kind of like, oh, no, they have to do Toy Story 4 just based off this vague commentary <laughs> from Tom Hanks. It's like, oh, no, they're doing it, and they're not messing around anymore. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a cash grab. This yeah. is like they're going at my soul, right. and I don't appreciate it very exactly. much. And that's what I needed to hear, too, to you know, uh, have the cynicism kind of you know, <laughs> right. reined in from you me. You need Tom Hanks say, hey, don't worry. This isn't about the money. This is about destroying your childhood. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm ready for Toy Story exactly. 4 now. So, I mean, yeah, it's... I don't. I don't know how you necessarily top Toy Story 3's ending, um, because it is just uh, it wrecks me every time. So I don't like unless you're going to kill Buzz and Woody, which I I don't know how I could handle that. Like I don't know why they would do that, especially for a rated G movie, <laughs> right? Like, but like also like if you're doing Toy Story 4, does this movie get like Toy Story 5 and 6? Like, is this a new trilogy or is this like the closing of a quadruple? Mm-hmm. Uh, episode you know story or like or what what is happening i don't i don't know yeah that's the that's the question exactly too it, and it's, it wasn't like it came about because they've had they've been bringing they had one or two writers for this or they've had three mm-hmm. right they've gone through three writers for the script it was commissioned they're like you're gonna do another toy story movie yeah and it wasn't like someone you know woke up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat ran into the studio and just started animating and sketching and writing <laughs> right. you know this story beat so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, but I mean, imagine under pressure, they crafted something really cool. Right. I mean, my optimistic perspective is if this is true, if the ending is something just unthinkable in terms of an emotional level, uh, it gives me obviously more confidence in Toy Story 4 instead of like this cynical approach, like, oh, they're just doing it for the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it kind of goes back to Pixar doing this movie because kind of goes back to Pixar's standards of just like we're doing this because we have a great story to tell yeah not that we need to tell a sequel or we need to tell another story in this this toy box we need to do something you know that wasn't intentional no pun, pun intended uh we like we just need to we figured out a great story that we feel like we need to tell not a we need to tell next story another story so what should it be yeah they're, they're not you know reverse engineering it they're they they crack the code first and then they're like oh this is a great idea. We got to do it. Mm-hmm. And we'll find out next year whether or not they do. Precisely. So, I mean, like, Toy Story is the only Pixar's, Pixar's only franchise where sequels are, I mean, Toy Story 2 is fine. Yeah, Toy Story 2 is not my favorite. But that's like, but oh, it's like. We need kind of needed that to get to Toy Story 3. Yeah. In some respects. So, whatever this is, I think it's on that level, especially because, I mean, Tom Hanks wouldn't talk about it if he would, you know. I no. mean, I think there was also some Tim Allen quote, quotes in an article, too, talking about, like, it's, this is a real deal type of a thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if he was just saying, like, you know, the stock actor stuff, like, oh, 
it's a great new movie. It's got this great adventure, this great heart to it. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, okay, like this is just like like nothing would have changed. I wouldn't even like we wouldn't be talking about it right now. But the fact that he's like, oh, it's a moment in history. I'm like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, and Tom, Tom Hanks is like an amateur historian, <laughs> right? And you know, Tom so Hanks, you're gonna be you know does, Mr. Rogers next year. Like, exactly. come on. <laughs> he does doesn't throw that word around lightly. No, like if anybody knows what it means to be like go down in history, it's like Tom Hanks. So precisely, if Toy Story Four is going to do that. And potentially top the previous three installments. I mean, my gosh, <laughs> Pixar, you're you're at mm-hmm. it again. <laughs> Break, yeah, put it in my veins. Let's go. So uh, well, let's move on to the DC universe um, and talk about some casting that came courtesy of the Rap, where they reveal that Ewan McGregor has been chosen to play the lead villain in Birds of Prey. He will he will terrorize the all girl group as the DC villain Black Mask. So this was previously reported. We talked about it, kind mm-hmm. of like okay, it's between Ewan McGregor. And Charlotte Copley as two names that WB potentially wants. Now they got him. This is the right choice. But yeah, I think I, I I stated my intentions very clearly. I believe, or probably a little more diplomatically, because it was uncertain. I didn't want to sound like a, you know an arrogant jerk. But <laughs> I want. I mean, or I didn't want to have to be like come back and be like Charlotte Copley did a good job. I I respect him. And no, <laughs> I'm so glad Eamon Gregor got this role because he's who I wanted. Uh, if you haven't seen him play the devious twin brothers on fargo season four season three season four yeah it's season four three the latest season of fargo you need to because i think it i think it's very informative of how he's going to be mm-hmm. or at least a little bit closer to it uh but yeah i, I cannot wait Ian mcgregor's finally getting a good payday too <laughs> i'm sure star wars i mean i'm sure his star wars contract was fine but I mean, this is like good for him, and I think he's gonna crush it. And I, I just want to see him play somebody zany yeah. again, because I realized how much I loved that. I mean, I don't know how how zany he'll be as Black Mask. More of just like I'm re- like Kathy Ann was talking this week at like some convention or something that like they are going for an R rating. Like whether or not they get that, we'll have to wait and see. But like if that's the target, like Ewan McGregor unleashed as like this really menacing, mm-hmm. you know criminal underlord like that sounds like a role that i haven't seen you and mcgregor do ever i don't think so i love the fact that he's going to to change up his kind of form like yeah he did christopher robin you know (laughs) he's probably not gonna be obi-wan anytime soon it looks like Mm -hmm. so what better way to switch things up than to go to dc play a villain who apparently may have like a multiple film contract so he could go like be in a batman sequel or something else like he could go Join Suicide Squad too. Like maybe Harley Quinn defeats him. They throw him in Arkham mm-hmm. or whatever, and like he's part of the team somehow. Like there, there are chances for him to you know go forward with this character beyond just Birds of Prey. But in terms of Birds of Prey's villain, Ewan McGregor is a great choice. So I think the one question I do have about it though is Black Mask's look, mm-hmm. because as his name would imply, he has a black mask yes. that he wears Fused. basically all the time. Right. It's like fused on him. Yeah. And depending some on your interpretation. Yeah. So I mean, my question then is you get Ewan McGregor. Yes. Who is a well-known face. He's a well-known name. Very handsome too. With, yeah. So like, are you, are you really going to cover up his face the entire movie? Or are we going to get mm. like a black mask who, you know, wears it for certain meetings, but then when he's, you know, back at his lair or something, like he takes it off. Or is it like a redesigned mask where it's only like, just like covers his eyes or sort like a traditional like superhero mask sort of a thing. Right. Sort of like a um like a SWAT, a tactical SWAT mask where it like goes over like the basically part of the top of the head and all the way down to the jawline. Or what if it's just like a 
like breathing apparatus thing like goes over like the bottom half so you still see like his eyes you mm-hmm. still see mcgregor's eyes but then like his beard and his jawline and stuff are still hidden yeah like i'm just trying to think of how they're going to do this because i don't think you cover you and mcgregor's face the entire movie and yeah. and you definitely it's, don't it's, cg his face right to death or you know prosthetic it right and it sounds like like black mass water to be established by the time birds of prey starts because he'll have kidnapped cassandra kane which is like the whole plot of the movie. So uh, like this isn't going to be like a black mask origin story. We're like, Oh, he's just a regular gangster guy. And then like something happens and I always get this mask, like in the second act, like it seems like he'll be black mask the entire way through. So for, I, I think, I feel like they'll change something up. Otherwise, uh, this is like a potentially huge sacrifice for McGregor just to like kind of go get the payday right. and like be in the big property. Like if he's going to hide his face the whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking at black mask, uh, comic interpretations, it seems like there's, you know, the one where it's like literally a skull. There's mm-hmm. ones where it's like, like a ski mask on top of them type of a thing. Um, and then there's one that looks like a, some kind of like night vision tactical goggles okay. and things like that. So there's some interesting ways that they could go about it. But, uh, regardless of, what they're putting on top of the face. I'm glad the I'm glad for the human underneath. <laughs> right. Just because I, I don't know. I just I really think that he'll whatever they want to go with or whatever she's trying to go for here, um, in Birds of Prey, uh, he I think he's gonna be able to deliver. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm just excited. Yeah. Um but let's move on then to a sequel that is coming, surprisingly, from a report from Deadline where they revealed that Ridley Scott is set to go back to Rome with a sequel to Gladiator officially in the works. The movie will follow Lucius, the son of Connie Nielsen and the nephew of Joking Phoenix's Commodus in the original Gladiator movie. The script is being written by the town and Hunger Games scribe Peter Craig, um, but it is currently unclear when production will begin as it may have to wait until after Ridley Scott finishes a TV series he's currently working on, as well as that Merlin movie that he is working on for uh, Disney. Apparently, both of those projects could go before a Gladiator 2, so... Is this like a real project that is actually going to happen? Or is this like one of those, oh, yeah, we're developing it and it never happened sort of a thing? Uh, I'm more shocked that the Merlin thing is like, you know, going to prohibit him (laughs) from this. Because that was like the weirdest like story that we was. That's the weirdest Ridley Scott related story we've had all year. Like this seems like his next thing to pick up. Like I don't know why he would put off from it. It's his Oscar winning film. Yeah. And... Um, you know, Russell Crowe and like all these people can like come back or no, Russell, no. does he die? He, he dies. He's, he's dead. I haven't seen the gladiator. I just oh, know gosh. about, I know about the thumb thing. Yeah. That's you, about you know it. the gifts. <laughs> yes, exactly. Or the, yeah. Oh yeah. Or the not, you're united entertained, but that's a part of movie lexicon. So I'm, I don't think I would say it's not a spoiler or anything. Okay. Obviously. Yes. Oh, oh yeah. Spoilers. Sorry. Um, for what gladiator? Yeah. Can nah. we spo- what's, what's our, what's our year to date oh, spoil limit? I don't know. One year. I feel I, two years. I, I kind of feel like it's one year, but that. I, but then, like, there's selfish parts of me where it's like, oh, well, I haven't seen that movie, so don't tell me. Okay, gotcha. So, like, I, mean, I have time. seen. I have seen Gladiator. But All like, right. Yeah. Is this? Can you do it? Is it worth it, Cooper? Uh um, here. I mean, can you do it? It sounds like yes. Yes. Because apparently okay. they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. Can they get Connie Nielsen, McKean Phoenix back? Mm, Connie Nielsen, I think, can return. I don't think her character died. But I believe, well, King Phoenix is like the king, right? Yeah, because he like yeah he does some stuff. Gotcha. But uh, <laughs> I believe he also's dead at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Can't you remember if you know hundred percent on that one? But 
like it seems to me like if they're gonna go Lucius, like he's the focus, that this movie like that in this world that kind of progress like real time where the Lucius was just a kid, um, who's like basically a prince of Rome back in the first Gladiator movie. So like this movie is obviously gonna take place, you know uh like over a decade after the fact so i mean at least in terms of like when it actually hits theaters but in like the timeline it could be 20 30 years later and like you know lucius is like a 30 year old guy or he could be 40 he could still be like he could be like mid-20s and like be like a young king reigning over rome i don't know which way they'll go i don't mm-hmm. think this is a movie that we obviously need sure i think gladiator is a perfectly fine movie on its own uh not to say that it's just perfectly fine i think it it is it is a it is an excellent movie but there's no reason to do a sequel to it in my mind so this is more of like Ridley Scott just going back to the well of the stuff he's created before and like hey how can i do this again since i'm not going to make alien right. 4 5 and 6 <laughs> good point would they title it gladiator 2 or they give it something else uh i think i mean i feel like you'd have to title it gladiator something mm-hmm. i don't but like I don't know. Like, I, if Lucius is the main character, then like that's a totally different kind of setup and perspective on the film. Yeah. Too. So like, when it, like unless he's overthrown and like is thrown to the gladiator pits, like I don't know how the gladiator name and like brand kind of sticks with this, but mm-hmm. that's for really Scott and Peter Craig to decide. So. Yeah. You gotta you gotta avoid the Ben Hur type comparisons at that right. point. So. So we will see, obviously, what happens with Gladiator 2. Uh, let's move on to Ticket or Skip It. Um, only two trailers to discuss this week, uh, one of them being a teaser trailer for Spies in Disguise, an anime movie starring Will Smith and Tom Holland's voices, um, and the other one, a romantic comedy spoof movie, basically, titled Isn't It Romantic, starring Rebel Wilson and Liam Hemsworth. Um, Josh, which one is getting your ticket this week? I'm going to give it to Spies in Disguise. Uh, pleasantly surprised by it. Animation style. Totally dig it. Um, in addition to Tom Holland and Will Smith, there's Karen Gillian, DJ Khaled uh-huh. going to show up to give some keys to success or something <laughs> like that. And then Rashida Jones, who yeah. I love. So, um, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to do Like, if Will Smith is a pigeon the entire time, yeah. I may be a little bit perturbed. But Tom Holland's enthusiastic inventor Q-esque mm-hmm. like, persona and voice uh, really fits it well. And I'm like, okay. Well, I'll do it. Um, but it definitely super the action in the opening is super smooth and I, I buy it. So that's why I'm buying the ticket. Okay. Or giving it a ticket. <laughs> I will also give a ticket to Spies okay. in Disguise. Uh even though I thought Isn't It Romantic was interesting. I just don't know if I love the PG thirteen angle. Like based on the trailer, like the bleeping of Rebel Wilson's cursing, I'm like, ah, I feel like this would have been better as an R rated movie, even though the final gag where it's like, oh, hi, honey, with Liam Hemsworth like standing there in a towel, mm-hmm. like hot out of the shower. And she's like, what happened last night? He's like, oh, you know what we did. She's like, I don't remember a thing. Let's do it again. <laughs> and then it cuts again to the next day. Like, I think yeah. that, uh, there's potential funny moments there, but I, I think Spies and Skies, as the premise, as you know, what they actually showed me, mm-hmm. um, looks a little better currently just because it's got the talent around it. Um, even though, you know, voice work can just be a paycheck role for most people, depending on, you know, kind of the uh, relevant part of the movie. But I do think like the story looks fun and different. And yeah, I don't want to see Will Smith be a pigeon the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it like opens the door for like them to like change him into various different animals or something like that's that could be like a fun little anime movie that comes out, I think, early next year. Yep. 
So March. I want to say March. Yeah. Yes. So uh, I mean, if only this was and if it was if this was a live action movie with Will Smith, Tom Holland, Despise. Oh, oh hands down, yeah. I'm there. But uh, anime movie, I'll still give it a ticket, um, and I'll probably give a ticket next year uh, as we move into the flyby to Ryan Johnson's next movie, Knives Out, because. You guys guessed it, as we talked about for the last like, five or six weeks. Uh, it added more cast members and more impressive ones, mm-hmm. if that is even possible. Variety reported this week that Tony Collette is joining Hot Off Hereditary, and then THR reported that you know Kevin Spacey was too busy uh, to play another, get another role. So Christopher Plummer is stepping in hey. for Knives Out and uh, is joining this as well. Both of these happen as production has kicked off mm-hmm. on the movie. So we have a – it looks like a completely set cast of – one victim, some detectives, and a bunch of suspects. Yep. These two are the latest great ones to join, Josh. I mean, hype level for Knives Out is at a what? 10 of 10. I mean, I'll probably talk about... I mean, it's going to be my most anticipated of next year Whoa. already. Over Star Wars 9. Over Star Wars 9. I, I, I'm just... I'm infatuated with Ryan Johnson right wow. now. Wow. Um, I think he's... I just... I, I am. And I these... And Tony Collette, I, she's probably the person I'm going to talk about, like, the most that are at our end of the year wrap up uh, because hereditary is so good. So good. And she's so great in it. Um, Christopher Plummer also like a great ad. Like if he's the old dude who dies, this will be, Oh no, he's not, he's not going to die. I don't know. I mean, who do you kill in that cast? I feel like he's the most expendable <laughs> unless they're trying to get a victim still. Maybe. But you feel like you need the victim before you start shooting or else because the movie's got to be about the victim. So, like, they're going to kill one of these people, and I don't, I can't take it. <laughs> but I would kill Plummer if I had to kill anybody. Wow. Um, I know it's morbid, but you're gonna want, do you not want Michael Shannon acting in most of your movie? Oh, I, I want all these people in all the movie. Exactly. But I feel like Plummer is, like, I don't know. Is he I, Colonel I, Mustard? Is he going to be the old, like, the I, token yeah, old guy? Yeah, like, I like that idea of, like, this, like, in my mind, this, like, angry old man who's potentially murdered somebody and it's up to daniel craig and lakeith stanfield to figure out whether or not they did it or not so uh either way i you know who who, whoever dies or whatever know for sure lakeith stanfield is going to be the homes to craig's no we just know he is another detective okay we still don't know if he is working with craig or if he is opposing craig he he was secondly he was second cast right no chris evans was second cast okay and then it was stanford or Stanfield, then Shannon, or Shannon, then Stanfield? I don't remember. Yeah, they were back then. Um, All right, anyway. It was like the same day, but yeah. Um, either way, both of these casings are great. Mm-hmm. Now that production is underway, hopefully we find out some details soon. Everyone walk, don't run on set, please. Lots of yes. sharp objects. <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? Uh, well, let's move on to another pair of castings that happened. This one uh, comes from uh, the MonsterVerse that is happening over at Legendary for Godzilla vs. Kong, as Deadline revealed that... Baby Driver Breakout Isa Gonzalez and uh, Variety reported that Rebecca Hall are set to join this cast now that includes you know as we talked about the last several weeks as well uh, a lot of great talented people these two are the latest ones to do it big fan of Isa Gonzalez Um, I'm glad to see her continuing to get just more and more roles and Rebecca Hall I think is super underrated so her getting back to the blockbuster game that's right I don't think she's really done one since Iron Man 3 Um, well deserved hopefully both of them have large roles yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rebecca Hall, I only know her from Town and Iron Man 3, but super good in all of these. Also in The Gift by Joel Edgerton. The Gift by... Oh, that's for the box and the thing. No, there's some guy who's going around giving people gifts and... Yeah, yeah, basically. It's like a demented Santa Claus. No. Okay, nope, wrong <laughs> movie. That's Krampus. No, wait, that's something else. All right, point being, two great picks up. Ethan Gonzalez, um fantastic in baby driver so 
yeah, King Kong is looking great. I, I don't think they could have had a, a I still think the cast of King not of Monsters. The, the, oh, you know, not, oh, okay. King of Monsters. Yeah, I mean, well, if we yeah. compare cast, Cooper, it's not even fair. Um, but I think uh, I think I like that one. But this is, I mean, yeah, we'll we'll see. But uh, the, I mean, they've got oh, they got Julian Dennison. They're probably equal. I take it back. Anyway, I love it. I would say this cast probably is better than King of Monsters. Off I, top of my head, I may have to like dive down into the depths. Of, they need to confirm Kyle Chandler, and then I'll agree with you. Okay, that that is that is a good point. If Kyle, any movie Kyle Chandler, automatic like five tickets to movie. But I, every time I see uh, Vera Farmiga's performance, is that just twisted scientist i'm like oh man <laughs> either way we're getting millie by brown in both so we'll have to wait and see obviously who else joins her um by the looks of these latest announcements isa gonzalez and rebecca hall will be two of them and i think production is supposed to start pretty soon so uh we should get confirmed cast across the board uh hopefully in the next couple weeks When's here king of monsters is that out in may or march mm, i wanted to say it was may but i feel like they moved it up and i don't remember good so uh, moving on to another Aaron Sorkin project, the the first one to come after Molly's Game, which was a huge hit f- at Friends and Film last year. We both loved it. And now he's lined up his next movie that he will write and direct, titled Chicago 7. Uh, Sacha Baron Cohen is in talks to be one of the lead roles in the movie. And now Variety has reported that Eddie Redmayne is also in discussions to join this project, Josh, you are a huge Sorkin fan. Mm-hmm. I believe Molly's Game was like your most anticipated movie of that year. It was most anticipated of last year. Or at least of the fall. I don't remember if it was the entire year or not. I technically saw it this year, but it was my most anticipated of last <laughs> right, year. Right, right, right. <laughs> so this one, Chicago 7, uh, it's gearing up. If it's coming out like 2020, is it like automatic, you know, number one? No, I just told you, no, it's not. Oh, if it's coming out in 2020, 2020. May, who, who's, who knows? Who's to say? I, I the, the subject matter isn't particularly interesting. Seven people who were charged with um, being a part of like riots or, you know, conspiracy to riot across Chicago um, during the Democratic primary of 1968. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we'll see. But it's definitely a Sorkin project. It's packed with, I mean, I think I was reading you some of the court transcripts yes. earlier before we started the show. It is packed with over the top sanctimonious um lines that sorkin is just going to build uh insane insanely dramatic and you know just he's, he's gonna have fun with it mm-hmm. to the point where you'll be like this makes you can't handle the truth look like you know something <laughs> cliche or something like that so uh it'll, it'll be entertaining for sure um with him behind the camera and the script but I, I need to know more to get excited because the Sasha Baron Cohen casting is a little interesting. Um, so, but any Redman is great. I love Fun him. fact, Sasha Baron Cohen was previously supposed to play uh, Freddie Mercury in the Bohemian Rhapsody movie. But it was it would have been an oh. R-rated take. It would have been very different. So yeah, uh, I'm pretty been... pleased with the one we got, obviously, if you listen oh. to our review. So yeah. um, I am intrigued by this project just because it is next project out for Aaron Sorkin mm-hmm. it's got I mean I'm not the greatest or the biggest fan of Sacha Baron Cohen um I think his Borat shtick just kind of wore off pretty quickly did you, I mean did you like it though or like I the honestly movie? haven't seen it I haven't seen it either but <laughs> I've just seen like you know clips and marketing stuff and I'm just like this isn't for me I don't think so yeah his newest show was like funny for like two seconds oh, yeah, where he like interviews real you know uh, and political then it, officials and then it became like, completely nah. uncomfortable yeah just because i mean the antics were like far beyond something like that like colbert like the daily show once did and it's just like 
this is dedication, and I don't know how I feel about you. No. And I think that's why I'm, I don't know how I feel about this okay. project. But I do like Eddie Redmayne. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited to see him in Fantastic Beasts, Crimes of Grindelwald, in like two weeks or whenever that movie comes out. Um, so him going back to some more dramatic, going back to like a theory of everything sort of a role. Obviously, very different. This role will be than playing Stephen Hawking, but like the dramatic chops coming back out instead of like franchise fair sort of thing. So, um, I'm looking forward to it. I still obviously need to know more about you know the rest of the cast, maybe more, uh, more like details on the focus of the story and like mm-hmm. how Sorkin's really plan to execute it. But I'm sure we'll get those in the meantime. Uh, let's move on to the Meg, which is getting a sequel. Uh, potentially it is currently in early development according to one of the film's executive producers who told Variety about this uh, this past week that the Meg 2 is in fact in the very early stages of development but they are working on it so uh, it looks to be something that will come it made a ton of money at the box office so it really shouldn't be a surprise but is there room for a Meg sequel? Without, I mean come on you, I don't know, you have to be very careful with this though. they do I mean or else you have to avoid the Jaws uh comparisons yes um so you're gonna have to like obviously it can't be the same shark <laughs> or anything like that obviously um it's blew up right or yeah. something i don't remember what happened at the end but oh it, he stabbed it in the eye in the second one? Oh, oh, i'm sorry i'm not talking about i'm talking about the meg oh yeah right he stabbed it or like he caught it with the side of his like machine and like went down it or something yeah he like carves it he yeah, carves yeah, yeah. it across with his what, I don't know. Is he driving a jet ski? He's driving. It was that underwater vehicle thing, like one of the wings or something, like uh, broken. Then it was a sharp object. And he just went like right because the, the cockpit's cracked open. Right. So you're just like, all right, I'm gonna turn this thing into a jet ski because he's like surface level with it. Yes. And, and then, then it, like jumps up in the air and he like sort of like when the Millennium Falcon in Solo, where he like it, like Tokyo drifts across <laughs> the asteroid. And yeah, yeah, that's what Jason it is. Statham did do some bad stuff last time he was in Tokyo. R.I.P. Han, Fast and Furious. Respect. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're referring to there okay. but i mean it's obviously going to be like there's gonna be like 500 megs that break out from the ocean floor and like giant squids and it'll be like a kitschy sci-fi channel film okay um so like the like the first one yeah exactly <laughs> only we'll be like we'll have like giant it'll be like rampage meets sharknado okay okay and then does the rock star now that the rock and jason say there'll be buddy buddy hobbs and shaw Maybe the, a team up. That's very possible. I think so, especially if they get um, the Rock's longtime collaborator and Sky, Sky Tower, Sky Skyscraper director. Oh, uh, shoot! Is that Ross and Thurber, or is that uh, the other one? I don't remember. I don't know. Either way, I'm not really excited for Meg Two. I thought the Meg was way more fun than it should have been, but mm-hmm. another one. Nah. Right. And Rain Wilson won't be able to be back. So maybe if they get John Krasinski or somebody like that. Jeez, that would be something. Um, but uh, we have two projects here that came uh, this week. Both of them attached IT director Annie Muschietti to them. Variety reported that he's going to direct an adaptation of the Japanese manga known as Attack on Titan. Mm-hmm. It is not clear, though, if it is live action or if it is animated. I assume it is live action uh, based on his credits. And then Deadline followed up the next couple of days later um, saying that he is going to also direct an adaptation of the H.G. Wells novel The Time Machine. So two potential Muschietti projects, both at Warner Brothers. So they're obviously very happy with his work on it and it chapter two would just wrap to production. Um, which one is more interesting to you? Even though I, I can, you can go watch the manga on Netflix right now of attack of the Titans attack on Titan. Sorry. <laughs> I'm really excited for it. I, I think it's 
a, a live action adaption, if it's a live action adaption, I think it could be really intriguing. Um, just basically skinless giant monsters stalking outside of like walls and people mm-hmm. trying to defend themselves and whatever twists or turns you could put on that uh, would be really, really interesting for me. The time machine. Um, I've vaguely familiar with the guy Pierce adaption of, uh, of it. Uh, but didn't, I do not remember it being anything spectacular. Um, uh, but if it's a modern, you know, take on it, I could be about it, but I definitely think these are well-deserved projects, or at least the idea that Muschietti's getting these mm-hmm. is well-earned. Yes. It speaks well for it too, too. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, yeah, Attack on Titan is probably the one I'm more interested in just because I think the premise sounds more interesting or like the world, I guess, than another time travel movie. So yeah. I would lean with Attack on Titan as well, even though I have no familiarity with either of these source materials. So, uh, yeah, I mean, as long as Andy Muschietti continues to hit it out of the park with it in chapter two, uh, he'll probably continue to line up more Warner Brothers projects. And whether or not he makes them or not, we'll have to wait and see, obviously. But it's, it's a good sign at this point. And then lastly, we're going to end here with another story from Deadline, this one being that Overlord director Julius Avery is the latest one to be attached to direct a Flash Gordon remake. Uh, Josh, is this a, a good move for Avery? Do you think this movie is actually going to happen or what? I think it's going to happen because he's got heat from Overlord. Or Overlord's got heat yes. from critics. And when you attach yourself to direct something or you know, let, and let that get reported, um, it sounds like it's they're trying to start the early build for it. Mm-hmm. And Flash Gordon's one of those properties that people have tried to take a stab at. And for better or worse, haven't gotten it right, or you know, depending on the time frame, or whatever. Right. Star Wars is the most successful adaption of Flash Gordon. Um, I mean, yeah. You believe George Lucas? Thor Ragnarok is a very good adaptation of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Point being, um, John Carter is an unsuccessful adaption mm-hmm. of it. Uh, so even though it's, I think they're technically kind of like written around the same time. Um, so I, I'm skeptical. So I, I need to see. Overlord before I'd be like, oh yeah, Avery is going to nail this. Right. But it's definitely like a next step if he did truly nail Overlord. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, all right, here's my art house horror film. Now it's time for something a little bit more uh, four quadrant. Yeah. Uh, I think it's an interesting pairing for him. Uh, so since Overlord does not look anything in terms of like the wild, vibrant zaniness of a Flash Gordon movie mm-hmm. and his other movie I've seen, Son of a Gun, is also nowhere close to this. Um, so we'll have to wait. And, I mean, it's an interesting pairing. I don't need another Flash Gordon movie. I've seen the original one. Not a huge fan of it. So I don't really need to see another version of the story told. Um, and it's also a Fox project, I believe. And Fox may soon no longer be <laughs> around. Mm-hmm. So whether or not this movie actually happens, uh, huge question mark. If there's a if it says if there's a tag that says executive producer J.J. Abrams as part of his super mega deal with as, Disney, as part of his super mega deal, which I, you gotta wonder if it's just J.J. Abrams taking over the Fox studio. <laughs> Wouldn't that make that would actually make sense? Nah, I don't want I don't want to see J.J. be a super executive like i want to see him still create well i mean super executive who works in a small office but tells everyone else what to do maybe well who, who's to say but uh i'll be if abrams his name is attached to this project in any kind of way which i kind of ex- expect it to be um i will definitely be about it okay um but that is all we have for this week um we'll be back next week with a review of julius avery's overlord yes uh the supernatural world war two zombie x-esque movie uh i'm looking forward to it it's obviously as you mentioned has good reviews the trailers have been 
very fun and upbeat and zany and mm-hmm. ridiculous. And I really just want to see, obviously, what Avery's delivered and try to piece together how this possibly could have been a Cloverfield movie in an alternate universe. So right. uh, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, the... It, it, the- the uh, the bells of hell are tolling in the opening trailers and like that kind of sets the mood and the tone for it all. Um, there's a great cast in there too, that, or at least a cast that I'm kind of like hoping to learn some about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, no. yeah, it's Julius Avery. So, and he's obviously, I just, I haven't seen Son of a Gun. Mm-hmm. So I believe it's on Netflix or Amazon or something. Okay. It was streaming at some point on something. <laughs> so, yeah, either way, um, I think Jovan Depo is mm-hmm. the lead. Yep, from Fences. Okay, see, he. I'm looking to see him like have his own film. Yeah. Um. But other than that, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Zombies. I mean, <laughs> I love horror, so I'm probably gonna come back with a positive. At least, like, it was different, right? <laughs> uh, but uh, cool. We'll see how everything else kind of lays out yes uh we'll also be back this later this week with another big question uh this week discussing nintendo video games that need to be adapted to the big screen uh so we'll talk about all of our different pitches for franchises and you know players and characters that need to be brought to the big screen courtesy of nintendo whether it's animated form or live action or whatever so be sure to tune in to our episode uh, on Wednesday. If you have not already, if you're listening to this later, go back and listen to it or listen to it again or whatever you have to do. Just listen to our big question. Um, but if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, our iTunes and give us a five star review with comments. Tell us why you enjoyed listening to the show. And be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by Chains at Friends of the Film. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Movie Cooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks and for tuning in to the Friends Film Podcast. Josh, stay safe, Chris Evans. And be sure to turn next week for a future episode.